for for example, this is something I was talking to a friend that actually develops VR worlds. He's like, can you imagine if you work from home and your home is a VR, you're in VR and you have like eight screens up and the company doesn't have to pay for eight screens. They just have to pay for the one VR kit and you're in this office on the Niagara Falls watching a live view or whatever out your window with wherever eight screens and working wherever you want. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Blockhash podcast. Um, episode 338 today with Jason. He is the creator of Pika Crypto and Elders of Kai. And we're going to talk about it today. They're also the sponsor for the show at the moment. So welcome, Jason. Happy to have you here and excited to dive into more details on what Pika is and what you guys are working on and, and sharing that with the audience today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to have you. Um, maybe before we get started, tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and you know how you kind of wound up in in Web3 and, and crypto and blockchain. I think for everyone, it's quite unique and interesting. We'd love to hear your story and kind of get some insight there. Sure. I've actually been involved in blockchain since 2016, to be honest. It's been a long road. Uh mm -hmm. Mostly because, like, I think most people who might be in blockchain now where their friend says, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin back in the day and just kind of shrugging it off and then seeing it take off. It's like, oh, I should buy some. So I got involved very early. Mm -hmm. um, my background is that I, I've actually always kind of worked with gaming in general. I used to make Flash games, you know, on the random websites in the early 2000s where you had to go to, like, blackwhitesheep.com or something like that and find mm -hmm. flash stuff and i used to make that so um with that combination i learned solidity i've learned c sharp sharp i've learned a lot of different coding languages so i can kind of progress with that um i actually was the chief marketing officer for game pika like the whole company um for a while and then the main dev stepped down and He's still around for um, helping out and stuff like that, but um, he's passed on the torch and uh, the CEO and stuff like that also voted me in as uh, the head of the company at the time. And so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts, but I've been in this industry for a long time and I've definitely played a lot of blockchain games and definitely played a lot of games in general. So um, really good place for me to be working in charge of a blockchain game project. <laughs> Very cool. Now, I know those early gaming sites you're talking about. I used to play a lot of those when I was um, much younger, especially in high school when I had the time. Uh, mm -hmm. They have one called like Crazy Monkey Games or something like that. And they had all of these like off-brand games you could play on on the PC. Um, they're yep. fantastic. My, my, one of my favorites was like Boxhead Zombies or something like that. And you could run around and as, as this little box character and, and dress yeah. up as like Rambo and you get all these guns and you could shoot all these zombies and um, it would just go indefinitely. Mm -hmm. um, but no, no, I, I love those games. I think a lot of us, they were, they were a lot of fun. Um, but it's really cool. You know, your background kind of started something similar to that and then um, got into crypto per uh, investment. Do you invest in Bitcoin or Ethereum or what was like your first entryway? I actually um, invested in Ethereum and it was when I first got involved, it was about $98 if I remember correctly. Um, and then I okay. really started paying attention to Ethereum and cryptos and what that was and 
how it functions because I, I like knowing things and I have a really bad habit of taking things apart and seeing how they work and then putting them back together again, like electronics and stuff. So mm-hmm. I basically started doing that with like, how does blockchain work and start taking apart in my ma- mind and reading about it and understanding it more. So horrible habit, but it can definitely be for the benefit. <laughs> that just means you have a creative mind. You like to pull things apart, put them back together, see how they work, see how they function. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this, that's awesome. That's really cool. I, I, my, one of my first, I, I definitely bought Bitcoin like a long, long time ago. Um, I, I bought Bitcoin and Litecoin in like 2013 and I lost mm. all of it. Like it wasn't very much, but I lost it yeah. all just on stupid exchanges and wallets that I forgot. And I think I, probably a lot of people did. Um, yeah, true. But I'll never forget my first Ethereum investment and it was like $7 and I was in college. Nice. Nice. That, that was pretty fun to watch because like it was like right on the fringe of is Ethereum going to become like a real um, network and smart contract platform and people really mm-hmm. going to build these uh, decentralized applications at the time. Right. Um, and it was like right after the Dow hack, like six, seven months afterwards. So people were very like pessimistic and then up it yeah. went uh, with Bitcoin and, and we formed an industry. But it was a very cool time. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I think that was like early 2017, something like that. Yeah, it was early. Yeah, that's I remember uh, like even with the rise of Dogecoin, everybody was like, you buy it, buy mm-hmm. it, buy it. And it was the whole point of being a meme. I bought some back when it was zero, zero, two, I think, penny wise. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I held on to that and then went up to the 50 cent and I sold everything. <laughs> and <I was> like, <laughs> nice. <"Yay." laughs> I, I had a couple million doge for a very short period of time. Then I got too nervous and I took it out and I probably mm-hmm. should have left it. And then that was like at a couple pennies. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was so nervous. I didn't want to hold it at the time, but I should have Man, this, things you go back and you kick yourself on. You're like, why didn't I do that? But right. I mean, it's always look easy to look back in hindsight. Mm-hmm. Oh, easy. <laughs> so what, tell me more about Pika crypto and you know, kind of what you're building around this. I, I know I, we've talked about it all the time and I think people uh, have heard about it enough at this point, but it, it, you guys are really, you know, pioneering an interesting area of what gaming is today mm-hmm. and what it's been in the past, but also merging that with with blockchain as a technology through NFTs, through Web3, through crypto. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really important because I think it's one of those intersections that will really help build out this industry and bring it mainstream. Um, so how is Pika Crypto fitting into that intersection, into that process? And what are you guys most focused on? That's a great question. Um, I think the team itself has really been focusing on what are the issues we see in blockchain gaming? Because gaming industry is massive. Like there's so many people that just play games on their phone, their tablet, their Xbox, their PC, et cetera. And it's such a big platform. It's like, how can we make that? to where people can jump on in a web three base and actually start earning and actually making money, just doing what they love and having fun with games and making money. And so a lot of the times we see, you know, there's a lot of games out there and it's really easy to go onto blockchain games and see that a lot of the issues are very consistent, like having to sign 
your wallet every single time you make a step or do anything in the game or having to go to a whole new chain on the blockchain that you don't even know how to get to or you have to go to some website and follow instructions how to get the token to even play the game in the first place and there's a lot of issues along those lines so our whole kind of fit in place is to be able to create a system that's going to be easy that anybody can access and you sign once and then the system just reads what your wallet you have and then use API data from the game to kind of work itself and cash out prizes, which we can always talk about too. But the whole idea is that you just sign once, you play the game as normal. It's like a ranked system and you have fun and the higher XP, the more payout you get and you can go cash out anytime. So it's not time limit. It just makes it easier, kind of like battle passes on Fortnite or something. You're you pay, you get in, and then from there you can earn by being better than everybody else. Very competitive. So that's kind of where our place is. Trying to find a solution. It might not benefit us because we're not trying to create our own network or anything like that. We have a token as a placeholder to show people this is how it will function. And we hope that other people take that and use that system because we want to expand gaming in general we don't want to just be like use us make us mm -hmm. benefit we want to benefit everybody and create something that everybody's going to be um, wanting to use and excited about and have fun with yeah i think that's also one of the most interesting drivers right now for for those that are in the gaming industry whether you're a gamer developer whatever it is um to incorporate some kind of model where you can make money and incentivize gamers to do what they do because i think traditional revenue models that exist today for gamers aren't very good. Like you have to be like a big streaming influencer. You have to mm -hmm. um, contribute to like a massive platform to earn like a small amount of money. And um, there's a lot of good gamers out there that, you know, dedicate their life and their time, I think, and don't really get much of a reward from it. So I think this is a really good right. opportunity for a lot of people, um, you know, in, in many different aspects. And it's, it's interesting to incorporate that here with, uh, with Pika and with the trading card game, Elders of Kai. Mm -hmm. um tell me more about the tcg too it, it's it's got this kind of like cross feel with like magic the gathering Yu-Gi-Oh, kind of like pokemon-esque <laughs> elements to it um tell me more about it and what are you guys building there yeah i i, I always tell people it's a passion project for me because i love creating storylines and um worlds i've been writing books and stuff like that so um elders of kai uh, we wanted to create a world that wasn't really like collecting Pokemon. And we wanted to create a world that was like characters and heroes and villains that you can gather and collect and play and use in your deck. And I wanted, and I am creating a physical version, the digital version, and then the digital version will also connect to Web3 as a side thing for people who want to. But this will be playable where you can go to Walmart, Target, or stores in general, or Amazon and actually have physical cards to play um and the whole world itself is was created by um, a writer that we hired um started creating the world for us and then gave us ideas about characters and clans and we created this massive 110 page lore book for season one <laughs> and we have five seasons planned right now and um, we know how each season's like rough draft is going to play out, but we created a lot of lore because we wanted to make sure that it's not just, hey, here's a character. There you go. 
like each character has their own um, multi-paragraph story there's the the season has its own story there's a main overarching story for the whole game and the whole world itself and um, we just want players to be able to not just have a trading card game that they can just oh i have cards etc but we want to have a whole new world out there that people can become fans of like i want to be a fan of it i want to have fun with it i want others to see it read it and also want to be fans and see it grow and that's kind of the goal here got it tell, tell me more about the lore and the storyline and and take us like deep inside elders of kai um to give us more of an understanding of like what what we can expect yeah so <laughs> one thing it's going to be interesting because elders of kai they're actually our elders and um a lot of the storyline kind of makes the elders hidden like you don't understand like who they are they're kind of like in the background um the storyline itself goes along the lines of the elders left a book and left lore and left manuscripts and stuff for the people to read and understand how the world works um they understand like uh like kai itself became self-regulated and then eventually it became this ultimate force which was known as Ezris, which was later called the creator and the creator created clans and created the people and everything and the elders basically tell the story about who Ezris is and who the clans are and um where they all come from and the issue is is that the clans understood that kai which is like the the energy force the life force of the world kind of like the force but um uh, a little bit more like avatar like kind of powers yeah it's like an energy and um the different clans can use the energy differently so like one can use more like lava and magma and one's fire one's water one's earth and you know kind of avatar-esque but um and then there's the people that are resilient in the sand and can survive on uh, harsh climates and um Ezra's was being left out of a lot of their teachings to their next generation next generation because they had power so they were like we don't need a creator we don't need something so they started doing their own thing and eventually he just became a myth and so a lot of the storyline has him bringing in creatures and stuff like that in each clan that are there to cause chaos and it puts the world into a very very epic kind of like who's going to win this war thing going on and who's in responsible who cares if it's Ezra's or is it Ezra's or is it not Ezra's is is it actually just the clans being you know vicious or whatever so there's a lot of moving parts to the story and like I said it is 110 pages and most of it I wrote myself so nice. <laughs> it takes it's a lot of writing <laughs> yeah <laughs> We had that writer that gave us a lot of help and it, like pointers and said, do this and that. And so we just, uh, me and uh, one of the guys, we kind of sat down and started discussing what we could do. And then I sat down and just started writing and got through most of it. And then he came through and touched up on storyline that uh, making sure there was no uh, continuity errors, because that's going to be really important with something this big. <laughs> So is the storyline like a linear trajectory um, with like a linear outcome? Or is this like a world that's very modular and you could tell many different stories like Super Mario, for example, it's like you hmm. can tell many different stories or 
the Legend of Zelda, you can tell many different stories and multiple different versions of that world. Mm -hmm. um, or is it just very straightforward? I think uh, one thing that I'm doing with the storyline that I don't think a lot of games do, but maybe they do. I'm just in my head thinking this. But what we're doing is that with the storyline, there's a setup and basically the current season there's going to be an enemy that comes out of current season to be the big baddie for season two. And there's a lot of individual storylines that point to that. And it will keep players guessing who's going to be the one to reign supreme in season two and take over and try to boo power play. And so season two is going to have a storyline based off of someone in season one that kind of comes in as the baddie. And then season two is going to have a whole new amount of characters that are going to have stories that interact with what's going on. So, and that's going to be kind of how that works out is that in each season, there's going to be someone that rises up and causes chaos or order or whatever to then set up the next season. Okay. Yeah. So I, I thought I was wondering like, what, who's the villain? Like who's the bad guy? So, but I guess <laughs> it'll come in like story arcs, right? Season mm -hmm. by season. That's where it's like with the lore book itself, it will be available to read through um, the lore book itself. you got to read the character's story and be like, oh, this sounds like this could be the big bad guy. Wait a second, because there will be one of the characters of season one that turn out to be like the big terror for the next season and the next season, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Um, th I mean, this sounds like something that could very easily turn into like uh, a, a TV show or a movie at some point, like there's so much lore that you're putting into it. And I'm sure just more mm -hmm. will pile on over time. Um, is that a direction maybe one day that you maybe hope it takes if it get, gets popular enough and you know, the, the mythology behind it is, is quite unique. Uh, yes. Uh, I actually have a group of animators that are in charge of like cartoons that you can watch on YouTube and um, a lot of people like and there's some animators that I talk to that make uh, TV shows in general. And so um, there's a lot of people that are wanting to see this play out. And if it gets popular and gets enough fan base and that, that is definitely on the agenda to expand with maybe a movie or TV shows and stuff like that, because we want it to be its own thing, like a whole new kind of thing out there yeah that'd be really cool if there was like a tv show series about this at some point or mm -hmm. or maybe like an extended comic series or just more yeah. to like carry on and let the lore develop over time because it's a lot to try and inject it all at once and i'm sure that you know because you wrote most yeah. of it um but yeah yeah it'd be cool to see like something extended in the in multiple multiple seasons or issues or volumes something along those lines would be pretty cool Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, tell me more about the functionality of the TCG as well. Like, so other than like the physical version of it, um, like mm -hmm. the Web3 side of it, how does that kind of function for someone? Is it like NFT based? Is there like a reward mechanism uh, with Pika? What, what are some of the, the aspects that go into it? Yeah, so easiest way to explain it, because I've been trying to dumb it down for everybody. Um, so we're going to launch NFT collections where you can buy, uh, the packs. There's a single card pack or, um, eight card pack. And so you get random NFTs out of those packs. And what happens is that those unlock in the game. So you can play with them like just like normal. And the game itself will have the web two side where you just 
free play, you win, you unlock cards at random. Um, and then there'll be a what's called ranked version, like rank matches. And rank matches basically um, will be the Web3 side. So depending on how many NFTs that you have, um, our current way of doing it that we I think that we are all agreed upon how it's going to function now is if you have like one to 20 NFTs, you get a one X multiplier for your winnings. And if you have like 20 to 50, it's two X 50 to a hundred, it's three X and anything a hundred above NFT wise, you get four times rewards. So rank matches will happen month to month First seven days of each month. You pay $25 a Pika to get into the game. And then, from there, uh, after the first seven days are done, everybody that's involved in the game, rank matches, will then start playing. Um, top 50% of players um, will be rewarded um, with whatever pool has been added. It will be split amongst the top 50% of players. Um, so the goal is to be the top 50%. <laughs> so you can at least double your money at that point. And it's going to be paid out based upon XP. So mm -hmm. the more XP you get, the top 50%, the more you're going to get paid out. So it's really encouraging players to compete because it's ranked. It's just like any kind of ranked match you do nowadays on any game. You're competing with other players. You're getting the most XP. You're hitting those leaderboards. It's tournament style. So that's going to be very competitive play. And obviously, um, if you win uh, that pool split amongst all the top 50% based upon XP. And then you can cash that out anytime. You don't have to cash out immediately. You can take your time. It doesn't matter. It's just, you can let it sit there as long as you want. You can keep playing, et cetera, et cetera. But it's all paid out in Pika. You pay Pika. It's paid out in Pika. So it's all functioning on Pika side. Nice. Are there rewards if you get into like the 80th percentile, 90th percentile in terms of uh, XP or, or, or players that are winning, like, do they get like any kind of additional boost or is it just, you have to get into the 50th? So I think at the moment, it's just as into the 50th at the moment. Um, obviously we're still in development stage. So if someone always comes up to us and like has an idea and it sounds like a better idea, we're more than happy to look at it before launch because it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, the contract itself that we're working on, obviously it's very complicated because of that. So on our side, it's not easy, <laughs> but mm -hmm. it's um, we are very confident in creating this to where players just pay 25 Pika or whatever, and they get a multiplier depending on how many NFTs they have. And then they just want to hit that top 50 percentile of the game uh, for that month. And then they earn rewards. And that's as simple as it gets. Um, It'd be yeah. cool to do like a bracket style tournament for this mm -hmm. and and just have a whole bunch of people. I mean, I don't know, maybe you cap it at like 50 people, 100 people, like something crazy. And then um, there's like an entry fee that goes into the pool. And then maybe it can be tiered as you mm -hmm. get into those final brackets, final eight, final four finals. Um, I don't know. That'd be really cool at some point. I know a lot of games go that direction. Yeah, we actually did look at that idea. And um, a lot of the people that we have in our community who are like, well, I don't have time to play that intensely or like mm -hmm. I don't have 
like how does that work for scheduling do you have a schedule then how does that work for international people like you know people are in europe waking up and then people in the u.s are going to bed like so i think it came down to trying to figure out how timing would work what's the time limits how much time do people have for those tournaments would it be like turn-based like i do a turn and then I just wait for them to respond within 24 hours or something. And then how long does that game go? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of variables in that that could prolong uh, earnings or make it to where you never finish that match or an AI takes over because the person's like, hey, it's been like a couple of days, I'm out or something. So yeah. it that was the only challenge that we were facing with that one. It's like, well, what if we just do rank systems? Because a lot of people know oh yeah, rank match or rank. That's a really common thing to hear in like Call of Duty or Fortnite or something like that. Mm-hmm. And why not use that terminology that's people are familiar with and try to create something along those lines. I guess you could do tournaments regionally. Um, like if you did one in the US, you could do one like on the West Coast or something. Mm-hmm. They, they do something similar with the ranked matches too because you have to jump into certain servers and right, certain right. servers are time-based uh zone-based and some are dead because it's one in the morning some are you know very vibrant because it's five o'clock after work um and most people are coming home to jump on um i don't know but i I used to play a lot of the ranked matches for things like call of duty and and halo back in the day so those those systems do work really well yeah yeah and it's something easy that we can implement in a blockchain setting as well that's pretty straightforward. So that's kind of the route we decided to try. And I mean, the cool thing is we have that ability to add on to the game if we want to. It's upgradable contracts and how we do everything. So it's very doable. Absolutely. Um, what about if someone wanted to just invest into like Pika and they wanted to buy it because they think maybe the value will go up. They want to speculate. They think um elders of kai will be a huge hit or something mm-hmm. um is there a place they can go if they just want to stack some bags of pico yeah um, so since we're on the ethereum chain you can do that on uniswap like the main stuff like that one inch rubik and then um one of our partners is stealth x if anybody's ever heard of them they're a fantastic uh team i love working with them uh you can actually go there and buy pika too and with that one it's really easy to use because you just send whatever token you want to that wallet and then they'll send the pika back to you it's really easy um you can even buy pika with bitcoin with that system so it's pretty cool (laughs) Uh, with uh we also on coin target coin tiger um which is like an exchange over um in uh europe and uh china and asia stuff like that and um yeah we're we're growing right now we have gate io that's uh pending launch on their system um we've been working with them since last september um they want to see the game launch and once the game launches they just want to see how it functions and then they want to add us so we already got approved. We've been audited by Surtech and stuff. So they were more than happy to work with us. They just want to see the game launch at this point. So that was the only condition that they had for us. <laughs> yeah. What's it like trying to get Pika listed on an exchange? Like, is it similar to the gate.io process? Like they want to see the use case pan out before they add you? Um, or are others more strict about it? Like, like Binance maybe? Or w- what's... I guess your experience been like going through it. 
Uh, nightmare fuel. Uh, <laughs> mostly, <laughs> mostly if you haven't done it before, getting listed on any exchange is nightmare because, um, like for example, Simplex was one that we were trying to work with before. Uh, KuCoin. Let's do KuCoin. Like we've been work trying to list on KuCoin for a year and a half, and with KuCoin, they require or they require a daily volume for six months minimum of like one hundred and twenty thousand. And then not only that, if you dip one day below that, then you immediately disqualified. And then oh, on wow. top of that, once you're done with the six months process, um, there was like a deposit amount, depending on like what they reviewed it and said it was worth this or that. You put a deposit in, it holds it, and then they give it back over a certain amount of time, usually 30 or 60 day, um, just to make sure you don't pull everything out of the project, et cetera. So it was like a holding fee. and there was little things like that we kept running into where they're like, yeah, it costs this much. And it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like, okay, uh, <laughs> I'd rather mm -hmm. put that into the game. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it, yeah it's a plus, uh, plus. I think people are gravitating more and more towards DEXs these days. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it would make sense. I know these exchanges are for profits. They want to see that volume in place and they want to, yeah hedge themselves against, you know, getting in trouble for some reason. But at the same time, it's like, why waste all this time, effort and money trying to get on a big exchange if you could just be on Uniswap um, right. or, or any other swap or decks out there that's, you know, essentially not that difficult to get listed or at least has a lower barrier of entry. Right. Like even with the, the decks, it really helps us because we can give uh, make sure because with us there's a five percent buy and sell tax when you're buying and selling pika three percent of that goes to stakers so as ethereum so like if you're buying and selling pika three percent of that it goes to all everybody staked as P, as ethereum so they like just buying pika and holding it in the staking pool and get rewarded um there's one percent that gets burned and then one percent to development and that little bit of tax really helps out in the long run to make sure that we continue through. Um, you don't get that with big exchanges. And a lot of the times it's just, they do their own thing and function however they do it with contracts. And, and you don't really see a lot of that. It's just a little bit different, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole nother animal out there. There's so many fake people too, trying to say, I'm this exchange, I'll help. And they're not <laughs> right. So yeah, so it's crazy. So is Elders of Kai just the primary project and baby under Pika? Or do you have other ideas and other projects maybe that you want to also launch and jumpstart under uh, the Pika brand at some point? So under the Pika brand, um, for those who haven't looked into us or known about us, um, the company that owns Pika is called GameFi. They own the trademark to GameFi. They are GameFi. Um, with them, they have another project called Cyber Rogues, which is a, a side-scrolling beat-em-up game that is live on iPhone and Android. You can go play it today. Um, they have an NFT collection with that that they haven't quite launched fully yet. Um, they haven't integrated the blockchain side of things, but it is a free game that you can play, um, and they can very easily set up that reward system very quickly but they haven't yet uh, i'm looking to launch this thing called pika bridge which will be a bridging system that will connect all networks and all tokens to any bridge 
Um, the reason why I was trying to create one, because a lot of times with those kind of bridges, there's a fee involved that um, that users have to pay to use their decks. And I wanted to eliminate that because I rather benefit people and have people look at our project in a positive light and say, oh, that's just a free tool we can use. Great. Um, that way they just pay the gas fees like normal, but we'll handle everything else. So it makes it really easy for them. Um, I think that's one thing that we have an issue with right now with blockchain is a lot of people are just trying to create things to take advantage of people who don't know better. Oh, this is like 10% of the cost when I transfer here to here. And it's like, they're taking advantage of people and I don't like it. Right. So I, I rather create something that people can use and ha be happy using. Um, and then just see positivity and share it. And so the word gets out better that, Hey, that bridge is awesome and it's free to use in that aspect. So that's what I rather do in my opinion. Yeah. I, I love the tech and the innovation in the space, but the one thing that I don't like is the greed. Um, mm -hmm. cause I, I think it leads to so many problems. Uh, it obviously leads to so many problems, whether it's an exploit or a hack or an attack vector or yep. a bad actor, whatever it may be. You just hear it. I hear it almost every single day now. Like I have a news aggregator and it every single day there's a new hack someone something mm -hmm. some wallet some chain got hacked yep. and it's just like and at the same time a lot of this industry is um driven by fomo and fud and you know which bag to have when you're going to the moon and yep it, it's like the one thing that can overshadow the the tech sometimes and it's fun like i mean we all buy into it every once in a while and enjoy sure. it but i mean it's not the most beneficial thing i think for the space and and yeah, then they, they raise fees for certain things. They create certain restrictions. They try to, you know, milk every token they can or every protocol they can to, you know, get as much out of it. I don't know. It, it's mm -hmm. one thing that does bother me about the space. Yeah, there was like, um, I remember when the meme coin thing was taken off last, what was 2021? Mm -hmm. And um, there was coins out there that was like 2% buy-in or 0% buy-in. And people are like, oh, I'll buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, because it's a meme. And then mm -hmm. it was a honeypot. They didn't know what that meant because they're new. And honeypot means that it's like 90% <laughs> to tax to cash out and you lose all your money. <laughs> and right. uh, that was happening a lot. And it's just that greeds thing where it's like, I'm tempting you in and then oops, like that sucks. Not my responsibility and then take off. That's why my community knows who I am. They know my name. They know how to reach me. They know my DMs are open um, because I rather be open and honest and make sure that I'm doing everything I can for the user and the community to succeed because I think that is a safe place to be at. And I think that others will see that it's safe for them to be at as well. Absolutely. And I think community is also something that lends so much of the value to any of these projects within within blockchain, within crypto. Um, mm -hmm. Without that community, I mean, it's really hard to justify anything. Like I could start a token tomorrow. Anyone could start a token. Oh, yeah. Um, hell, you can create tokens on Bitcoin now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like, like Pepe coin. Um, right. But if there's no community, you know, and then, you know, there's not a whole lot of value. And a lot of these, you know, projects that have value usually have pretty strong communities, big or small. Um, yep. So yeah, that's that's something to focus on. I know you guys have a community. Um, it, is it primarily based on Telegram? Do you guys have community on Discord or in other locations? 
We have Telegram, um, and I love Discord personally, and I created Discord servers for a long time. So when I got Topeka, I helped create the Discord as it is now, and um, I love it. But there's like not many active users on our Discord. It's mostly just Telegram. And for me, it's sad because I like Discord more. <laughs> I I used to really like Discord. I I think there's been a little bit of a mass exodus out of Discord, though. Yeah. And I, I'm not 100% sure why, but I think it's become too spammy. And mm-hmm. they haven't done much about it. Too body, too spammy, too many notifications. You know, it, it's you really got to be like um, a junkie to kind of like really enjoy yeah. it unless you have like a private server. It's just so much info. Or a workaholic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need the pings. <laughs> I, I used to moderate a couple and it, it's so much work, um, mm-hmm. especially when you get thousands and thousands of people in there. It's just like you can't keep up with everything. And if everyone's no. active all in a relative time frame, just like a complete nightmare. So you rely on bots for everything. Then you got to manage mm-hmm. what the bots do and the bots reliability. And <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. At least Telegram is more straightforward. You don't got like a billion channels to worry about. True. The only issue we have on Telegram is that um, when we start to gain a lot of volume, other projects, someone else always creates like a fake version of our Telegram and says, oh, click the link. Your wallet is compromised. Please help or, (laughs) you know, whatever. And it's like, well, we... We just tell our people, like, here's advice. Don't do this. Never give your seed phrase. Like, we try to be safe and educate people. But, you know, this is how Telegram works and how it functions, sadly. Does Telegram have, like, a verification method or pathway for channels yet? Do you know? Channels, no. Individuals, yes. But you just pay. Like, you just pay for it, and then you got the check. It's really easy by verification now. (laughs) Yeah, apparently you got money. You're good to go. (laughs) So that's the kind of issue I'm seeing. Oh, yeah, I I bet. I feel you on that. I've been I've had to bounce a community around for for a while. Unfortunately, like Discord was just too much. And then WhatsApp Mm. didn't quite work out. And Telegram seems like a good sweet spot. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tricky. Yeah, especially when you have people that like certain places, like some people just love YouTube and they just want to mm. stay there. Other people, they they love Spotify and they just want to sit on Spotify and listen to podcasts and other people want to engage and they want to be in a group. And I don't know, True. everyone's so different. It's hard to manage it all. Yeah. Um, but what's your, before we start wrapping up, because I think we've we've gone for almost 40 minutes. What, yeah. What's uh, your thoughts on um gaming these days i guess and um maybe, maybe where we're going with gaming i think i feel like it's really accelerating mm-hmm. under everyone's nose i don't think everyone really realizes yet where True. where gaming is going to take us and how realistic it's going to be um like the, the things that are coming out of like mid journey the things that are coming out of um unreal engine are, mm-hmm. are quite fascinating <laughs> um like yeah i i've seen game developers now using certain versions of real engine and and renderings are happening like in real time and it's like you can Mm -hmm. look like tens of miles like down a landscape and you can't even see like the edge like right 
like there's certain games you play and you like, you know where the boundary is. I can see it like right over there on the hill. <laughs> um, but now it's like, it looks infinite and it's, it's, it's quite crazy. Yeah. It's, it's insane what, what's happening in the gaming industry. And, you know, uh, I was joking with a friend earlier this week about, uh, you, you know, ready player one and watch yeah. that or Reddit. Um, it's that whole concept of like having more virtual world is more preferred and you can work in virtual reality, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think we're slowly headed towards that direction, but I don't think it's going to be like what it is now, obviously with like big old Oculus on your head or something. I think it's going to evolve more, become more of uh, like, Hey, I have this in the corner. I strap in and I'm into it. And I, it's AR augmented reality. There's a lot of stuff moving towards that direction that will make it more interactive. And then since it's more interactive, they will have more opportunities for people to get involved in like working in the interactive sphere, which is crazy. Um, for, for example, this is something I was talking to a friend that actually develops VR worlds. He's like, can you imagine if you work from home and your home is a VR, you're in VR and you have like eight screens up and the company doesn't have to pay for eight screens. They just have to pay for the one VR kit and you're in this office on the Niagara Falls watching a live view or whatever out your window with wherever eight screens and working wherever you want. He's like, the productivity that's available there is going to be unmatched. And that's kind of where work stuff can head to, as well as video games, where the just the interactiveness is going to get more than what we can comprehend, even at the moment, and just be just unreal. But um, I think it's just becoming more and more understanding that there's got to be either blockchain integration with tokens and coins for games mm -hmm. like League of Legends has their own coin going on, but it's not crypto, but it could be because it doesn't kind of interacts the same way as like a crypto coin. Um, mm -hmm. That kind of stuff's going to become more popular once it becomes more mainstream and big companies are already testing it out with NFTs. So I'm sure it's just going to be more and more so and less and less noticeable that they're doing it. Yeah, I think a big company or a big studio is probably going to do it first. Um, there's a lot of rumors like that Rockstar Games is going to have GTA 6 incorporate mm. a lot of this stuff and have like a real economy. Um, GTA 5, like they introduced it a couple of years back, like a whole stock market and everything, like real yep. time trading. Like you can literally live a life in GTA 5 now and you can make an income and do all these things. Like it's not just, oh, I got to go shoot someone up at a side job, but right. um, <laughs> you can start a real business and you can mm -hmm. work and you can um, trade and invest. And it's crazy. Like yeah, people still live in GTA 5. It came out in like 2013 and they literally right. have a life there. Um, and supposedly the rumors in GTA six, they're going to incorporate more of, um, a crypto model into it so that what you earn in the game mm -hmm. will transfer into real life, which is a really cool, um, right. concept to really think about that. You can just play games, whether you're online or offline and, and make a living that translates into real world money. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. And I agree with you there. And I think if they decide to do that it's going to change how people view games because you're no longer just playing a video game for funsies. Like you're actually doing something to earn income and people will be able to do it. And it's definitely possible. It's not even like a, that could happen. It's like, no, that's, that's possible now. It's just companies have to just 
make it happen and then they can do it and they're up and running. <laughs> um, shoot. Like if they incorporate blockchain into their game and then they just take a percentage of whatever you cash out, they're mm-hmm. automatically going to make so much money because of this long term because people are cashing out to then have real money and they're making a percentage of it every single time someone does. Like there's so many ways they could take advantage of that and people would be happy. They would be happy. Yeah, it would create essentially a whole new economy. Like people would come mm-hmm. home and and they'll go into like GTA 6 for eight straight hours and rob stores and, and loot people <laughs> online and and make a real income, maybe a couple hundred bucks a month or something, maybe a few thousand, yep. who knows? Yep. Um, but it's insane to think about. Um, but I, I love the direction it's going. And I, I used to really like Oculus. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things where you do it for a while and just starts hurting your eyes and you get headaches. Yeah. And it's like it's too much stimulus right in front of your face. And yeah. I do think like the future of that, it's going to be like you're going to have to like have a whole room and you're just going to put mm-hmm. on a pair of glasses and the room transforms or something because yeah, the, the whole immersive real environment like Ready Player One, everyone wants that. And I think we're moving to that, you know, direction eventually. Yeah. But. I don't think it's going to be on your face. Like it's just, it's too much stimulus. Yeah. It's way too much, way too close. Like it's you, a lot of people have the same complaints you do. It's just like, I get dizzy. I get headaches. You know, I have a hard time focusing with eyes after a while. Like there's a lot of stuff that's negative and it's how do we fix that? So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that's a problem. I see AR uh, like augmented reality becoming more a thing. And I already see that happening in a lot of workplaces near like adjacent to my work and how I function. AR is becoming more of a thing in those fields. So I think that's going to be something to look out for, for sure. Yeah. And plus, everyone wants to be Tony Stark. We all want to have like <laughs> our, our screens all over the place and a touchscreen desk and like an AI. Oh, God. AI. Yep. We don't, that's a whole different <laughs> rabbit hole at this point. <laughs> whole, whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jason, uh, been a good episode. Uh, maybe next time we'll we'll talk about AI and gaming. Uh, but uh, thanks for taking the time to talk about Pika, talk about Elders Akai and everything you guys are working on. Uh, for those in the audience that listen to the episode, please check out Pika Crypto. They are our sponsor at the moment and all their information is down in the description for the episode. You can check out the website, you can check out the community on Telegram, uh, check out the game and the TCG as well. Um, very, very exciting how much they are pushing forward into this, uh, into the space of gaming and blockchain. Uh, so Jason, thank you for coming on and highlighting everything and going into some depth on the myth, the lore, um, you know, what's to come, uh, very exciting. We'll do another episode soon. All right, cool. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I love coming on here. I love talking. So it's great. <laughs> of course. Anytime. Uh, take care. We'll talk soon. All righty.